lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings and happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do so via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email me, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, where every now and then you still might see hashtag Facebook approved takes when I need to tell you a truth that Facebook doesn't want you to know. You can also look for me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And if you don't like censorship at all, we invite you to follow us on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Just look for Steve Dace there. And then look for clips of the show that are both free and free of censorship. Uh, look for me at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that is rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. couple of programming things I want to let you know about. Number one, um, it looks like the filming for Nefarious is going to begin in Oklahoma City on December the 3rd. That isn't finalized yet, but I think it's close enough to likely that I'm willing to mention it here on the show. We're making final casting decisions as we speak right now. All right. So if you're the praying variety, and that's actually a question we got was about prayer. We're going to talk about that for Theology Thursday later today. So if you're the praying variety there, um, and you think that this is a movie that has a chance to impact people, because that's what we want it to do, uh, certainly pray that uh, we get some good favor and guidance there for the final two casting decisions of our two main roles. But what this also means is that there will be some time in December I will take off uh, in order to visit the set uh, and watch them film the movie based on my book, A Nefarious Plot. We're lining up the shows. We're going we're gonna to do evergreen shows for those days for you. And one of the shows we're going to do I told Todd, let's just do a show where we just break every seal and violate every one of my cardinal rules, okay? So we we actually may delve in to the Todd Erzin, Sarah Gonzalez dark side of anti-vax ideology because why the hell not at this point, okay? Right? So that is what you guys call yourselves, right? The dark side, proudly. I've seen Sarah Gonzalez sharing that message every now and then on social media. Is that what you guys call yourselves? I, over I there? can make it work. Okay. So we're, we're seeing if we can line up a guest for that. Can you think of another topic that I've, I've over the years been even far more hesitant to address? Because I've actually done lots of interviews and stuff in the past about vaccine skepticism and stuff, because I'm not afraid of contrarian viewpoints. Okay. Except in the past for one area. Because I've had a bit of a contrarian viewpoint when it has come to eschatology, and I have grown to be afraid of expressing it because of the fire that rains down on me for doing so. So we've got an evergreen show coming up uh, later this year where we're going to go a full hour into eschatology, and we're going to do it uh, based on a book called And Then the End Will Come. All right, so I'm mentioning it now, so if you want to check this book out for yourself, it's written by Douglas Cobb. And the reason why I chose this is because um, he's just a layman. And it, it, this, it's not like from some like premier theological institution or expert, because I thought, let's just, why don't we just have a conversation for an hour about this just amongst ourselves, okay? So if you want to check this book out, uh, he believes the global church is, is within range of seeing Jesus' command uh, to make disciples of every nation and then the return of Christ. He thinks that we are imminent 
that that's possible we could see that. And he's not alone. Our own Glenn Beck predicted on our show back in January he, you know, that he thought he would live to potentially see the return of Christ. All right. So if you're feeling discouraged about the growing craziness uh, and evil in the world today, and then the end will come, we'll help uh, to offer you some hope for better things to come. Uh, you can get the book right now at andthenetheendwillcome.com, andthenetheendwillcome.com, or just go look for it at amazon.com. All right. So that's a future show that we have coming up. I mentioned today's Theology Thursday. That's my second programming note. I'm going to be stepping out for a few minutes during that Theology Thursday. I'm going to be appearing on my buddy Dan Bongino's nationally syndicated radio show to have his back for his ongoing fight against Cumulus Radio's attempt to impose a wicked and evil vaccine mandate on its employees. We've been talking about that. You've seen me tweet about that. So I'm going to go uh, for a few minutes, break away during Theology Thursday. I'll let uh, Todd and Aaron take the lead on the topic we'll be discussing. Uh, in order to give uh, my, my buddy Dan Bongino some backup. So if I'm if you don't hear from me for about 10 or 15 minutes an hour from now, that's why. All right. Here is what's coming up on the show today. I mentioned Theology Thursday. The website I want to work at when I grow up, the Babylon Bee. Kyle Mann will be here. They've got a brand new book. And it, it, we did their first book a couple years ago, and it's hilarious. I think it's The Babylon Bee's Guide to Being a Perfect Christian. I think it's what it's called. It's still sitting on my desk at home. Uh, the Babylon Bee Guide to Wokeness. How to Take Your Wokeness to the Next Level by Canceling Friends, Breaking Windows, and Burning It All to the Ground. So we are looking very forward to this conversation coming up at the bottom of the hour. And then we're looking forward to the conversation that will close this out in the final hour of the show, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us a day late because he was in Nevada firing off guns. And if you think that w- that's a stress reliever for Daniel Horowitz, you've never met Daniel Horowitz. All right. In fact, it made him even angrier. A, a mutual friend of ours sent me a text yesterday. It says Daniel's anger is his superpower. Uh, So he will be joining us, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation coming up in the final segment of the show. But before we get to all of that, of course, we begin as we usually do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Ballad of Edward Durr. Hello, my name is Edward Durr. I'm running for New Jersey State Senate. I've lived here all my life, raising my three kids. In 2020, my opponents sat by and watched as Governor Murphy forced nursing homes to take in COVID-19 patients, resulting in the death of over 8,000 of our seniors. He remained silent as Governor Murphy, with his lockdown and mandates, forced the closing of over one-third of our small businesses, costing New Jersey family thousands of jobs. He has done nothing as seven out of every 10 moves are leaving the state, placing a heavier burden on those of us who remain. The Senate president has spent 20 years in Trenton. Higher taxes, increasing debt, and a rising cost of living. We deserve better. New Jersey, it's time for a change. So together, let's end single party rule. Vote for me, Edward Dare, for Senate. Yes, this regular everyday guy, a big rig driver, just defeated 
the most powerful Senate Democrat in New Jersey, Senate President Steve Sweeney, in New Jersey's recent election by over three points. Durr raised $10,000 even for a state election on the East Coast. That's a measly sum of money. And spent only $153 of it prior to the primary, 67 of which reportedly went to Dunkin' Donuts. And by the way, he won in a district that's typically plus 10 Democrat. We're all going to need the spirit of Ed Durr in short order and in greater numbers because a mere 48 hours after getting punched in the nads by the voters of Virginia and elsewhere across the country, the spirit of the age is back at it. This morning, the White House unveiled the language for its vaccine mandate for large employers. OSHA will come and visit employers for compliance checks. Companies found to be willfully violating the rules will be fined over $136,000. The penalty for a single violation will be over $13,000. The new rules are so important in such an emergency that they don't go into effect until January. If employees don't get the vaccine, they'll be subjected to weekly testing and mandated mask wearing. As a reminder, here's what Joe Biden has said previously about mandating vaccines nationwide. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. It's like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. The Daily Wire, along with Alliance Defending Freedom, has already jumped into the ring legally, announcing a lawsuit against the Biden administration over these new tyrannical rules. They're also coming for your kids. The CDC has recommended the experimental COVID vaccine for children aged 5 to 11 and kids can now be jabbed if their parents want them to. Pfizer released this creepy advertisement after the news dropped. All of us want to be superheroes. And the most important heroes are those that help others. This year, thousands of kids like us around the world joined the COVID-19 vaccine trial. Kid power. And when they did, they became all superheroes. Ah! To all the kids who volunteered, we'd like to say... Thank you! Thank you! Thank you for sharing your superpowers of... Courage. Trying new things. The ability to save people. The power to help people. Helping not just um, yourself, but many other kids. To not be scared. In other news, the Pentagon has conducted a review of the U.S. drone strike that killed innocent civilians in Kabul and found that it was not negligent, it didn't violate laws of war, and has recommended no disciplinary action. In completely unrelated news, the British kicked our butts in a recent war games exercise. According to the Telegraph, Royal Marines forced U.S. troops to surrender days into a training exercise after eliminating the entire U.S. unit. Bank of America is warning $120 a barrel of oil is coming down the pike. Gas prices are already at a seven-year high of an average of $3.40 a gallon. The bank says a 45% increase in prices could happen by next summer. And finally, the mainstream media has decided Democrats lost Virginia because you're racist. Glenn Youngkin played the race card for a reason, because he knows it works on certain white voters. He did stoke white grievance politics to mobilize the Republican base. He's laundered Trump's really sort of disgusting, flagrant out-racism. Yep. He's wrapped it in education. Yep. Education, right. which is code for 
white parents don't like the idea of teaching about race. That's the fundamental problem for these parents and this anti-CRT movement. They don't like the way whiteness is being portrayed in these new, more inclusive lessons. This wasn't about those pocketbook issues. This was about how white kids feel talking about what black kids go through. The subtext of all this was, we can't let these black and brown people run the country. Glenn Youngkin running on critical race theory that he knew hit a chord around race. I think all the CRT stuff is trumped up dog whistling. Some of it was uh, dog whistle racism. The dog whistle messaging that you saw Youngkin engage in during the course of the campaign. CRT is in the the latest line of school busing, cross-town busing, Welfare queens, you have it. It's in that same. It's in that same line, and you saw it in the in the results in Virginia. And that's what happened. Well, we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Wine. We're down in Argentina. They've got vineyards that uh, rise to up around nine thousand feet, third highest in the world. Almost impossible to get this kind of wine typically into the United States, but now you can get it imported from families that have been doing this for a couple of centuries now. So they know what they're doing and they clearly taste incredible. All of us have a stash of these wines from Patriot Wine at home. Great red wine with notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather and smoke. Great to pair with a steak or just to have a glass to chill out after a long day of fighting the culture war. All right, if you want to try them right now, you don't need a promo code. Uh, You'll get half off, half off today if you go to PatriotWine2021.com again That is PatriotWine2021.com. Just about an hour ago, so before we could get it into Aaron's montage, Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci went at it again. We're going to do that. We're going to play that video for you in our overtime today and then react to it for our Blaze TV subscribers. So we will do that right after today's show at BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. It'll be up there for you later today. And if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, but you would like to become one, you can get a discounted subscription today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. Let, let's go to the montage um, because there's something I want to reinforce this morning. And you, and, and you heard me tease it up just a little while ago if you listened to our Hall of Fame predecessor here on Blaze TV and radio, Glenn Beck. I was just on his program, and I, I teased I wanted to talk about this. You have to understand, we have to understand history. We have to understand human nature. And, and, and that there's nothing new under the sun. There's just new people under the sun who have yet to see these things, so they seem new to them. But the reality is that the enemy has a playbook. And it's, it's not, by the way, the Lavelle Edwards at BYU passing game or the Bill Walsh West Coast offense. All right, this isn't, you know, a thick playbook, okay? It's the Vince Lombardi power sweep left, power sweep right, and just and then we run a play action fast pass and throw it over your head. It's that playbook. And it just gets it just gets resurrected in every era. Pardon the pun. And it gets updated and rebranded. But it's not any different. And one of the reasons we fall for it is 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 you know there's a moment in the gospels when when Peter sees Christ communicating, I think it's with Moses and Elijah, right? Okay. And, and I mean, understand, put yourself in the, in the shoes of a first century Jew. 
Israel's two greatest prophets, its greatest prophet, its greatest, its deliverer, and now it's Messiah. And he's like watching like the harmonic convergence takes place. And he's like, this is it. It doesn't get any better than this. And afterwards, afterwards, the spirit is like, dude, man, um, you're going to actually do and see things even better than this. We have a tendency to mistake nostalgia for history and tradition. They're not the same thing. And, and, and so we look for patterns. That's good to see. History and tradition reveal those things. But what nostalgia tells us, though, is it's got to be the, it's, it, it's not just the pattern, but the same form. So it's not just the same blueprint, it's the same structure and form. And if it's not like that, then, then oh, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. When in reality, the enemy is just running the same playbook in every era, guys. It just takes on a different form. But, this, but, but the, 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 the path it takes, the pattern it shows is the same. What is being attempted right now through vaccine mandates and through COVID is the same thing. And, and for those of you at Right Wing Watch and Mediaite, Right? I know I'm not as big as my buddy Dan Bongino, but should you choose to take me out of context with what I'm going to say, thus, by the way, helping me spread the message, it is D as in David, E-A-C-E. Got it? Good. What's being attempted right now with vaccine mandates and medical otherism, medical apartheid, this is the same pattern of Sovietism, of Nazism, of racism, real racism, not the fake stuff in where a whole bunch of, uh, of, of media squish is making a hell of a lot more money to say that stupid crap than almost all of you watching me are making. I'm talking, I'm talking the real stuff, like Jim Crow. Like go to a separate school. Like drink from a separate fountain. Like you don't get to vote. You're not a person. You're property. We have auctions for you. I'm talking the real stuff. This is the same pattern. It follows in every era. The same man's inhumanity to man. That all comes from the same, really the same source, authoritarianism. The idea that I am better and superior to you, more knowledgeable than you. I have acquired, I'm a superpowered Gnostic. I have acquired the secret knowledge, the special knowledge you don't have, and therefore that empowers me to rule you. What was the first heresy that ever entered the world? Gnosticism. Did God really say? God is holding out. There's knowledge that you need that God does not want to give you. But if you had it, boy, you'd be like God. You'd get to rule, which is ironic because what's the first thing Adam, God told Adam to do? Rule. He was already in charge. He was already ruling. He was given the power. Dominion is given to him. With the guarantee of a perfect outcome because there's no sin in the world. He already had the best offer. He already had the best deal. And we've just re-racked this playbook eon after eon, or the enemy has. 
which you have to understand about authoritarianism, regardless of whether it's couched in a swastika, in a white hood, in a hammer and sickle, or in vassals and lords, or in redcoats, or brown shirts, what you have to understand is you cannot simply vote your way out of it. They are not deterred by defeats. In fact, standing up to them and defeating them shows them just how wrong thinking you are. Why won't you accept my salvation? You may think this is your suffering, but it is your salvation. Why won't you accept my deliverance? So the beatings will continue until morale improves. You truly are lost. You don't know all the great and special utopian things we have in store for you. You resist. It can only be defeated. Defeated. We aren't even 48 hours from a complete and total ass whooping in Virginia. And I got to tell you, absolutely there were some shenanigans in that state. Even though you think the good guys won, there is no friggin' possible way, looking at those numbers again as I did last night, there is no friggin' possible way Glenn Youngkin won Hispanics by 11 points, got 13% of the black vote, had a 15-point swing amongst female voters, and outperformed Trump amongst suburban voters by 8 and rural voters by 12, and he won by 2 points? Hells no. That's like a 5-8 point win. They cheated in that election too. They just were outside the margin of cheating and couldn't stop it. So he has an overwhelming coalition has statewide coattails so that they're winning the state house, they're winning all these statewide offices, and he won by two points? No, dude. Hell's no. Hell to the no. That just goes to show you. Okay, it's it's like back in the day in Big Ten basketball. If you were going to play Indiana and Bob Knight on the road, you better be 10 points better than them that night. You remember those days, right? I do. Because you weren't getting a damn call. What wasn't happening? wasn't happening you weren't walking out of there like a you weren't walk if if it was a three-point win it's because you were 10 points better that night right yeah i mean that's just that was you just knew it you just knew going in you were getting screwed so yeah so you knew what your margin of victory needed to be to account for the scared officiating start accounting for that now in these states the two-point wins are six-point wins and three-point wins are seven-point wins Just understand the margins you're going to have to roll up until somebody does a damn thing about this. The margins you're going to have to roll up to account for it. There's a resolve here. This is a vision quest. It is a cult. It is a religious zealotry. Imagine the Jehovah's Witness that comes to your door 13 Saturdays in a row to bother you. And you have shut the door in their face 13 times in a row. What happens on Saturday, the 14th week? That happens. That happens. Except these guys like have like militaries and stuff. Okay. We're not even 48 hours from a complete and total whooping. 
And they choose this moment now to unveil their OSHA mandate. And then they added stuff they didn't even talk about with mask mandates and everything else. We're going to come and check on you. Like, like you do, brown shirt. Do not get complacent. It's going to take Edur like perseverance here. I promise you, you cannot vote your way out of this. I promise you, you can't. Now, you can, you can vote your way strategically in favor of stopping it, but you will not simply vote your way out of this. We have to, um, we, we have to get rid of the paradigm. Let's tune into the Steve Dace and Allie Beth Stuckey and Glenn Beck shows. I'm just mentioning those because I was just on their shows recently, so forgive me. No intentional oversights. Get all worked up. Count down the days every two, four, or six years. Go out and vote for every Republican I can. Then you just go back home and have my Pleasant Valley Sunday. You, we can't do that. Maybe someday the era will return that the rules of engagement have been reestablished and reconfigured and, and we have politics in its proper place again. I pray and long for those days, but it is not this day. There, this is going to come down to who's the most committed. Why did we leave Afghanistan? Why did the Soviets flee Afghanistan? Because both these empires realized, what the hell are we doing in this armpit? We don't want it. Let them have it. They want the 8th century so bad? Let them have it. That's why. Why did the greatest armada in the history of the world retreat at Yorktown? To a ragtag group of colonials that damn near quit four separate times during the war. Because in the end, those redcoats wanted to be at home in London, in Sussex, with their wives. They didn't want these 13 colonies as much as we did. Resolve always wins. Commitment always wins. It's how 56 signers change the world. It's how 110 apostles change the world. Resolve and perseverance wins. Always. They're going to take this to the end. They're going to go to the mattresses. There will be no moderation. There will be no self-reflection. There will be none. You're even more racist now. This must be defeated. When I was a kid in the 80s, being called a liberal was like being called a slur. Ronald Reagan so defeated them resoundingly in the arena of ideas and at the ballot box that they had to rebrand themselves as progressives. They had to go back to the name that they had to get rid of half a century earlier. They they rebranded progressivism to liberal because of what progressivism meant to people. They had to rebrand themselves from liberals back to progressives because they were so eradicated during that decade. You couldn't win being a liberal outside of Nancy Pelosi and 50 other districts. That's it. That's what we have to do to this wokeism. That's what we have to do to this paganism. And it must be so resoundly defeated and punished, punished. When we have the power, we will punish them for doing this to our children. We will punish you for attempting this. There will be punishment. Because right now, they get government, do whatever they want to us, and then we are, well, you know, we don't want, nope, 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 can't do that. There must be mutually assured destruction. So that we, that's how we get back to politics in its proper place, where both sides won't necessarily go there because they don't want to pay the cost for it. Right now, we're the only ones paying a cost. They don't pay any. 
make them pay a cost. So we will not just defeat you, we will then get the power and then punish you with it. And so I'm 47. I don't remember a country where you could literally just openly say, I think we should just deny black people the right to vote. And like people would like cheer that. And I'm glad I don't, by the way. But that's what we need to do to this new era of authoritarianism. So destroy it and defeat it in the public square that make them rebrand and respawn for the next generation. Anything short, we're going to lose. Because they're going to go to the mattresses. Do not lose your resolve. Virginia was a one-night event. It was a good night. Enjoy that night. There's another game next week. That was last Sunday. Resolve wins. They are going to test our resolve. There are two kinds of bullies. There's the one you. There's the one that doesn't really mean it. So you pop him in the nose that one time and it never comes back. Then there's the one though that really means it. And maybe he flee, maybe he flees the first time you pop him in the nose, but then he starts thinking to himself, you know, for many many months, you did whatever the hell I told you. I'm not sure you really believe it. So I'm going to test your resolve. Those are the kinds we're up against here. We have to finish our race. We're not even we're not even through the first leg yet. Do not lose your resolve. Do not think we push the Visigoths back. I will go home. Stan, man your post. Because they'll keep coming back again and again and again. Big news from our friends over at Built Bar. First of all, I can confirm yet again, and not that I wasn't sure the first four of them I had, but I can can absolutely confirm now with my fifth serving of the new uh, pumpkin uh, Built Bar Puff that it is every bit as spectacular as it was the very first time I tried it. So I, I, I can confirm that. It survived the fifth serving test? It does. Now, the sixth one, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right. This is- Got to keep. That's I might need a seventh. That's the thing with Built Bar. You got to keep testing it out. Trust but verify. That's how we roll around here, right? Sure. So Built Bar requires routine verifications of its deliciousness. All right, and one of its all-time favorite uh, and great flavors. I would rank it number two, because to me, there's chocolate chip cookie dough. Because you know, guys, that's a that's a food group to me. It's cookie dough. All right. So chocolate chip cookie dough, space bar, space bar, space bar. But then number two is coconut brownie chunk. That is phenomenal as well. That is back too, as is all of their other great flavors they have each and every day, all of them covered in real chocolate. It's the best protein bar you've ever had in your life. It's better than a lot of the candy bars on the market, but without the sugar, the carbs, and the calories that they have. All right, if you want to give it a shot or you want to go back for more, uh, use my last name, Dace, as your promo code when you go to built.com. B-U-I-L-T for built.com. And again, use the promo code DACE to get 15% off for Built Bar at built.com. Do we have Kyle? We're going to see momentarily. Kyle, are you there? I'm here. All right, we have him. Kyle Mann from the Babylon Bee. It is Steve Dace here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Kyle, how are you doing? 
I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, very well. Uh, huge fan of you guys' website um, the, and all the success you guys have had. And I mean, I, I remember when just in our little evangelical subculture and you guys were doing just your own versions of satire and parody. And I'm just, very, first of all, very, very happy to see that you guys have broken out into the mainstream because uh, you deserve it. I mean, you do some of the best content, most some of the most creative stuff I see out there. Just so congrats on all your success there at the Babylon Bee. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been crazy, you know, to see uh, this little psych that just started out making little worship leader jokes that only <laughs> Christians got <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to get shared and uh, and to go wide like that. It's just it's just awesome. I think you the recent interview you did with the Atlantic, by the way, via email. I read that. That was masterful. So, uh, so I, I wanted to mention that as well. But let's get to the new book, The Babylon Bee's Guide to Wokeness: How to Take Your Wokeness to the Next Level by Canceling Friends, Breaking Windows and burning it all to the ground. Um, let's start with a totally cliched question here, Kyle. What what, it, what inspired you to write this book? <laughs> uh, it was all of us Babylon Bee writers sitting around going, you know what would be funny <laughs> is, is if we did a book that was, uh, that was all about wokeness. But we do these little cartoon graphics on our site sometimes, these infographics that my, uh, that my creative director, Ethan Nicole, draws. Where we have these stick figures, you know, beating each other up, and it's stuff like, um, you know, how to get out of a prayer circle at church, or uh, godly hug alternatives, that kind of stuff. And uh, the little stick figures, uh, it, it just, you know, it goes viral because people love the, uh, love the cute way they uh, they punch each other and stuff. And so we said, well, what if we did something that we explain wokeness in this visual way using these little comics and illustrations? And we just we fired this thing off and it was so much fun to write with all the writers goofing around and coming up with more and more insane stuff to include in the book. And, uh, <laughs> and that's basically how it was conceived. Is parody getting harder to write, Kyle? I mean, stuff yeah, is, is, stuff is happening mean... in the news right now that four or five years ago when you guys were just kind of this ragtag bunch of colonials, you might have set in your little theological enclave and said, we can't really go there. It's kind of not really the evangelical thing to do. Now it's the headline in the news, right? Yeah, well, that's the that's the thing. People will ask me, they'll say, you know, it, the, the news kind of does your job for you, Kyle. You know, you don't have to do any work. But the, the truth of the matter is that it's kind of harder to write satire um, in an age when the news is so absurd. Because you have to write something that the left hasn't actually done, you know, and that's really hard to think of something crazy and silly that'll get a laugh. And like gender segregated toy aisles, for example, something like that, right? <laughs> Here in beautiful California, we're working on the important uh, issues like uh, like making sure that our toy aisles are separated. Yeah. <laughs> looking at uh, looking at some of these chapters, folks, uh, some of the names of the chapters, how to be offended by everything. Discover how microaggressions and things you disagree with are literal violence. How to make sure your church is as woke as Jesus. Wokeness doesn't stop in the secular world. Churches can be woke too. Follow the science, all caps. The scientists are always right. And if you disagree, you are a bigot. How to fight fascism with violence. The only way to stop the fascist is to eat bricks at people you don't like. Brainwashing the next generation. Duplicate your outrage by making miniature copies of your woke self. Here's the thing. It's funny, but it, it, it it's really not even parody or satire, brother. This is actually what's going on. Yeah, that's what's, you know, there's this line in satire, right? You can do the absolutely insane stuff 
and you can just kind of dryly comment on what's going on. We actually had uh, Sean McDowell over at Biola University is telling us that he's actually using this book to teach wokeness to his uh, to his class hmm. <laughs> because it is that you know we are just taking it one small step further than reality, and it will soon be eclipsed by real life probably. What is wokeness? Not what does it claim to be? What is it really? Yeah, well, wokeness is just this worldview that's designed to make you miserable. I mean, the the whole the whole thing about wokeness is that it is kind of this moving target. And because it's a moving target, they can kind of take it and apply it to any area of your life. So they have this structure of, you know, the oppressed versus the oppressor, and it's just kind of this Marxist construct. And they take that, and then when you get woke, or whatever they want to call it, you just apply that to every area of your life. And now you can't find any joy or happiness in it, anything because you're constantly, instead of being thankful for these blessings that you have, you're saying, well, why, you know, you're, you're looking for racism, you're looking for sexism, you're looking for any kind of ism, and, uh, and, and you're just blaming all your problems on these kind of imaginary oppressors in your life. So that's the general, that's the general gist of what wokeness has become. And it, it is con- constantly a moving target. So that could change tomorrow, but that's what it is right now, it seems. You guys do humor so well, but I think people need to understand in order to do it that well, you've got to have some real intellect behind it in order to to truly be able to deconstruct things on the molecular level that you guys do. So can we let's have a serious conversation for a second. Do you mind along those lines? Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, one of the things that that has that I have tried to sound uh, the, the, the show far over for the last five or six years on this show is that I don't think the church truly understands. We, in your book, you label it wokeism. We, we can call it progressivism or political correctness or cultural Marxism. It's got, I mean, it's a hydra. It, it's got a lot of different uh, iterations and, and, and disguises behind it. But I think the church has largely stayed away from confronting this stuff because it, it, it thinks the only way to do so is, in order, is to become directly political. And I think the church, Kyle, doesn't understand that this isn't even political. It's not. This is a rival religion. It is the spirit of the age. And that if, if you went as a missionary into a culture and down the road from where you planted your, your ministry, your tent or your church or where you were going to attempt you know, your home base to evangelize this culture from and, and down the street from it was the local shaman whose views, whose alternative religious views dominated the population you're trying to evangelize, if you never engaged with him or what he said, your odds of properly catechizing and evangelizing that population obviously go dramatically down. That, that's why we've had, you know, that's why we've had confrontations uh, between throughout the church age, because we've had to directly confront paganism. This is, to me, the, uh, the, the 21st century variation and iteration of it. And I think churches don't understand this. And I think that's why it's actually infiltrating our churches. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an age-old discussion in the church about, you know, what, what is engaging culture and how far are we supposed to go in engaging culture and seeking political power? And, you know, those are all valid and potentially fruitful discussions to be had in a local church. I think when when we see that wokeism has actually begun infecting churches, you know, and it does kind of spread like a disease because once it takes over your mind, you can't 
you can't see things any other way. You're just you're just kind of trapped in that circular way of thinking that you're always being oppressed by somebody and there's no forgiveness and grace and there's no hope of salvation in wokeism because uh, you're constantly just having to beat yourself up and do better. Um, I, I think once you see that as the virus that it is, you know, you can't stick your head in the sand forever as a church. You know, you do have to confront this kind of stuff, you know, and uh, we kind of joke in some of our Babylon Bee articles that Satan was the original uh, was the original woke guy, you know, because he was the first one to tell Adam and Eve, like, no, you don't have it good. You're actually oppressed, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have this other thing that will make you happy if you just had that one more thing. And that's that's the message of wokeism, really, is, is that you can't be happy in your life, you know, and that's just antithetical to um, the Christian worldview of grace forgiveness and being thankful for the blessings that we have. Amen. And this is where now to get serious about the humor you guys wield so effectively. And, and when you guys wrote your first book, uh, how to be a perfect Christian, uh, it was you or somebody else from your uh, platform we had on our show. And I mentioned to this to you guys at the time that I thought that the way, the reason you guys were going to blow up and be so effective is you, is that you are non-discriminatory um, in a Christian way, this is similar to South, what South Park success is in a cruder way, but there are no sacred cows. And so the media will attempt to just immediately define you as, you know, just some sort of, you know, right-wing propaganda outlet when you have no problem stepping on the throats satirically of evangelical sacred cows, Donald Trump and Republican sacred cows. And I think that's what makes what you guys do even more effective and how you, I think, have even honed your message all the more is that there's an Irish Catholic Catholic saying I've quoted on our show quite a bit that what the devil hates the most is to be mocked. And the fact that you absolutely, with scorn of mockery, absolutely pull the emperor's pants down to show he's wearing no clothes because that's what defangs him, Kyle. That, that's what defangs the enemy. That, that's, what def, that's what people are like, why are we afraid of these people? Why are we afraid of this thought process? There's no there there. This is just a house of cards. And you guys very effectively wield humor as a weapon in order to expose that. Yeah, um, you know, and, and that's kind of, that is kind of what uh, comedy does. Is it does, just like the emperor has no clothes um, parable, we've used that before. You know, is is that it is kind of the childish pointing out of what everybody's thinking, but nobody will say. Um, G.K. Chesterton wrote that um, the test of a good religion is whether you can joke about it. You know, <laughs> and and that's kind of what we're seeing from the left is that they can't abide mockery, and 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 people on the right, of course, there's people on the right like that too, politicians in general, people in power, they can't abide the mockery. Because they're not secure in their worldview or their beliefs, and there's there's a real hypocrisy there that they are actually insecure about. And so to be able to expose it through humor and mockery is just a great tool. And that's another that's another Chestertonism is humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. So humor has this way of being able to kind of poke through the noise and cut away a lot of that discussion and get right to the heart of the matter while people's guards are down because they're laughing. The name of the book, The Babylon Bee Guide to Wokeness, and you heard some of that right there, the amount of times he cited Chesterton, the depth of his uh, of his answer there that, like I said earlier, behind this sort of, of level of effective 
satire and parody is real intellect there. These guys are really smart and that's why they're really funny and that's why they're really good and that's why they're really successful. And hopefully that will continue with the Babylon Bee Guide to Wokeness, how to take your wokeness to the next level by canceling friends, breaking windows and burning it all to the ground. Kyle, man, God bless you guys, man. I'm a huge fan. Continued success. All right. Take care. God bless. Thanks a lot. You bet. Um, You know, you've got 360 joints from your neck down to your vertebra in your back, in your arms, hips, neck, knees, feet. That's 360 joints that take a beating with daily activity and aging. Uh, That's why your joints can hurt constantly, sometimes even get in the way of sleeping. That's why you want to take a look at Omega XL. It goes after the inflammation in those joints that is causing that chronic pain. And it will help rejuvenate those joints and muscles so you can move like you used to when that pain and stiffness goes away. Uh, Omega XL, backed by 35 years of clinical research in the last couple of years of my actual daily usage. So I can attest to its effectiveness right now. If you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve, they'll offer you buy one, get a second bottle for free. Buy one bottle, get the second one for free when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve or give them a call at 800-844-4888. Any thoughts on the conversation we just had with Kyle Mann from the Babylon Bee? Well, uh, the weapon that this is is so important to recognize across the board. Uh, It doesn't have to just be wielded by the likes of this show but right now with my own backyard and my wife's school board election, it's hard for her and others like her just to not be overcome by the meanness, the cruelty. And it is hard. But if you arm yourself with this weapon, it becomes much, much easier. I promise you, this is empirical. This is objective, what Steve just said. It's not just an opinion. It's not just some angle. They hate being mocked. Mock them. Find your own way of doing it. It doesn't have to be a 25 minutes, you know, set live on stage like some of us may desire to do. But when it comes time to take them on, make fun of them because they deserve to be made fun of. Case in point, the Let's Grow Brandon thing was funny up until, I believe, last weekend. Then the left made it serious. The Let's Go Brandon thing is the Mockingjay cry <laughs> in, in the Hunger Games. It really is. The Capitol, mm. the Capitol could not stand that. Yep. President Snow could not stand that. I tweeted a gif of one of the quotes. From, They're playing us for fools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. And we're going to keep saying it. I, I thought it was you know kind of funny. It was just a perfect encapsulation of the Orwellian times in which we live, a NASCAR race. The reporter, how could you not hear that they were saying F Joe Biden? She says, let's go, Brandon. A perfect. It was just funny. Now they know you're, they're, they're, mocking, they're mocking you. And they're not mocking Joe Biden. Much like President Trump was like an icon of the desktop that really just represented you, the program. Yep, yep. Let's go, Brandon. They're mocking all of you. All of you who espouse the spirit of the ages tenants. That's an example of what we're talking yes. about here. They hate, they hate mockery. Yeah, when we say mockery and scorn, we're talking about your mama jokes or, you know, hey, fat ass. We're talking about 
an effective deconstruction mm-hmm. of their pagan nonsense. That's what we're talking about. Yes. All right, mocking and scorning it. And let's go, Brandon does that. Hour two is next. Hour two of the Steve Day Show is underway. I'm Aaron McIntyre, joined uh, as well by Todd Erzin. Steve had to leave the studio for a few minutes. He's joining the Dan Bongino program. As we told you a few weeks ago, when a similar situation went down, there are very, very, very few. Like you could list on one hand, few shows. Steve would leave his show for a few moments to go and join. Dan happens to be on that list and given the circumstances Todd I think you'll agree it's definitely warranted trying to back up Bongino and his ongoing resistance of Cumulus's tyrannical vaccine mandate in that company he'll be joining us here in uh, in about 10 15 minutes or so in the meantime as mentioned it's Todd and I will be getting to theology Thursday here in just a few minutes As always, I would remind you, if you can, go find clips of this show over at rumble.com. We just pulled yesterday's Steve's kind of opening montage of his own reasons for optimism in the wake of Virginia. Go check that out there. As always, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, I think we might be on Spotify now. Basically, anywhere you find podcasts, you can go and listen to the Steve Day Show if you missed Any of our conversations, like with Kyle Mann from the Babylon Bee, talking about the guide to wokeness they just published. That was a fascinating conversation there. Please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, write write a few little notes. If you don't like us, as Steve always say, um, just, you know, don't say anything. We'd we'd greatly appreciate that, Todd. So um, this is Theology Thursday. Steve wanted us to kick this off, Todd, with an email from somebody named Emily. And this email, uh, Emily says, I wanted to first thank you for your faithful pursuit of truth through COVID and the election and the many other affronts the spirit of the age is waging in recent years. It's been a comfort to my and my husband that we're not alone. I'm a 35-year-old mom to eight kids with number nine on the way. Since 2020, our family has lost all the things we would have said given our lives joy and fulfillment outside of Christ. We've lost friends, family. Our church has maligned us for being against masking of children. My husband will lose his job soon and we'll have to walk away from the home we built with our own hands as a family. I'm happy to count these as loss for the sake of truth and honoring the convictions Christ has given us and to be found faithful until the end. These blessed our family and bringing many of our children to faith in Christ and we worship and read scriptures more than we ever have. My question comes from how do I pray during this time of darkness and judgment? My personal faith has grown in ways I never expected, but as a mom... I still struggle, wanting to pray for God to intervene and bring an end to this madness for my children's sake. I know prayer is to conform our will to God's, not his to ours, but I know he delights in our pouring our hearts out to him. I pray for repentance for the church and for our nation. 
that his kingdom would come and we would be delivered from evil. But I know he is holy and our nation is deserving of every ounce of wrath we have incurred. What do the scriptures say about how we pray when under God's judgment? If you don't mind sharing, what have been your prayers of late for yourself, your family, and our nation and world? Thank you again for all your dedication to truth and the courage to speak it. Again, that's from Emily. So, first of all, I'll kind of say my bit, Emily, and then I'll, I'll let uh, Todd chime in as well. First of all, um, I'm, I'm sorry that, that we live right now in a country, in a society that is treating what should be the pillar, the bedrock of any sane society, your family, like it's chattel. By all accounts, our country was sane at one point. The West was sane at one point. The vanguard of our country of Western civilization was the, the nuclear family that you just described in your email. And I'm sorry that right now, instead of being treated as the vanguard, protected as such, encouraged as such, right now, all the culture, all the government, all the institutions are fundamentally, with few exceptions, are fundamentally opposed to what you're doing. Eight kids with the ninth on the way, having to say goodbye to a home that you built with your hands. Husband losing the job. That's a declaration of war on the family, and I'm sorry that we live in these times. I want to talk about the the prayers that have been said repeatedly over the last almost two years now and longer, but especially over the last almost two years in my household, Todd. Um, first, Emily, I, I know, I know based on what you wrote in your email, you're already familiar with these passages, but I think it's, I think it's helpful to maybe go back and read them review the macro message of the passages. The first comes, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. One, the New Testament passage you already quoted in part. The Old Testament, from the first chapter of Job. Job had already had his family taken away. Had already had his property destroyed. It's not so much that the family was taken away, they were destroyed as well. One of the richest, if not the richest men on earth at that time had everything taken away from him. Would later lose his health as well. You know the passage that I'm talking about. Job chapter 1. Fell to the ground and worshipped and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And then the New Testament passage, you've already quoted it. One's from Matthew, one's from Luke as well. The Lord's Prayer. 
don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think that their many words will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think the macro message, at least in my understanding of those two passages, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the midst of both of those passages, the overarching messages is that God's will be done. Praying for God's will to be done. God's will, God's will overall, again, in the 10,000 foot view, is not a mystery. It's not a mystery. God's will is to be glorified. That's the overarching, that's, you, can, you can parse it out in, in different ways if you want to. God's will is to be glorified. How does that happen? That's, that's, a, little bit more, uh, that, that's a little bit more of a mystery on, on a day-to-day basis is what I'm talking about. But God's will is to be glorified by the building of his kingdom on earth and heaven. So to that end, a prayer that I have prayed many, many times around the dinner table, personally, during the times such as these, because Emily, you hit on it in your email. We deserve every ounce collectively, collectively, as a people of God's wrath. The prayer that I have prayed is something like this that our nation's leaders would be humbled. That my neighbors, that us as a people, would be humbled. We think that being humbled means something that uh, doesn't necessarily involve uncomfortableness, doesn't involve discomfort all the time. Of course it does. Of course it does. Sometimes violently so. Sometimes, um, sometimes in a way that's hard to look at, that's hard to experience. It doesn't always mean you get out of, uh, out of and, and escape earthly consequences for whatever you're being humbled for. I, I pray that our nation would be humbled collectively. So that, after that humility comes... Hopefully, after that humility comes, we would then, instead of seeking, seeking our will to be done, that we would seek God's will again. Again, the, the, the humility that I'm talking about here is not necessarily going to be fun to look at, to be fun to experience either. But that's what I pray. Because right now, the dominant makeup of our institutions, the dominant makeup of the people 
that make up those institutions, the dominant makeup of the people in this country until I'm proven otherwise, is a lack of humility. Kyle Mann told that uh, kind of interesting quip. The first example of wokeness came from Genesis when Satan tempted Adam and Eve by saying, hey, you're being oppressed here. You're not living your best life now. Do what I say and you'll be living your best life now. Ye be like God. That's the dominant makeup of our society right now on every level until I'm proven otherwise. That's not humility until that is crushed by basically any means necessary. I hope, I hope it's peaceable means. I hope that it is means that don't involve more people dying. I hope that it means by means less suffering. But that is my prayer for this, for this country. Because Emily, right now, your family, your family is going to be, it sounds like going through a period of suffering. You, you said in your email, deliver us from evil. You deduced the problem, right? This is evil. This is absolutely evil. I, I would end just on this as well. The other part of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our, our daily bread. Um, that, that and, and there's other parts of the Gospels as well that talk about this. The, the hopeful part of this and the part as Americans that we're least comfortable with and that we might have to force ourselves to become more comfortable with because we have lived in a land of plenty. We have lived in a land of largesse, of abundance for so long. The part of this that we have to start getting more comfortable with is trusting in the Lord to put food on our tables. Because I don't know about you, Todd, that looks where that looks like where this is going very rapidly. If we do not stand up, if we do not steward the gift and the blessing of living in this country that God has given us. So that is the hopeful part of this. Knowing that God will provide. He will give us our daily bread. He knows what we need before we even need it. He will provide for us physically. I, I don't think we have to I, I don't think that we have to worry about that. But I think that's the part I think a lot of us, a lot of us as Americans, are going to struggle with. So asking God that He would humble our nation. That's the prayer that I've that's that I've been praying. What I've been what I've been also uh, mulling over is that He would give us when we have when when we are faced with the situation. He would give us peace and faith that he will provide for us because he knows what we need before we even need it. Todd, what do you think? Here's the thing about this whole economy of grace, sin, forgiveness. It's clear that you have eyes to see, sister, that in the darkness there is opportunity still to light so many candles, perhaps more. Uh, than any other time. Again, as Aaron laid out, our largesse, our comfort, it has anesthetized the church so badly. We've become so weak, so soft. You're right. There will be opportunities for faith to abound, and we should cherish that. 
corporately to provide the humility Aaron talks about. And of course, personally, there's, our faith does not make any sense at all unless we humble ourselves, understand that we are just as great a sinner as any man to come before us lives with us or any who will come since. And therefore, we fall at the feet of the Lord and say, please, Lord, forgive me. All good, right, and true. But it's interesting. We, We know that that's the only way to come out of this mortal coil, to accept those terms, that we are broken because of sin. Sin deserves to be punished. Not theoretically, in us. It deserves it. To the point of oblivion. But God's grace abounds all the more. We, okay, we accept that, 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 that power, that darkness, and how it can be overcome. Yet how often do our prayers realize truly how much God hates sin? How often are our prayers imprecatory? People think that that's Old Testament-y, that that's somehow not the way of the Christian heart. Listen, should you be spending all your time with imprecatory prayer focused on one individual person? No. Should you on one individual sort of sin? No. There's danger there, just like there's every turning those into idols and having to overcome the rest of your prayer life. But sister here, you seem like you have the patience of Job. You seem like grace abounds incredibly well in your entire life. But in you and many others, I think our prayer needs to be like, God, just like King David, punish the wicked. Punish them. God doesn't need, God knows what is required. So he doesn't need to hear that any more or less than any other prayer you have in your heart. He wants it all. And we need to do this for ourselves, to orient us towards back an economy of grace that isn't cheap grace anymore. I've told you about the book many, many times, The Tragedy of American Compassion by Marvin Olansky, and we, this is where we have came off the rails. We didn't realize that until we familiar ourselves with that thorn in the flesh on a regular basis, it's great examples in that book, the charity of the person who fell on hard times, pick your hard time, it could be any other, uh, doesn't, can't eat. Okay, we got this soup kitchen. You're an able-bodied man, though. You're going to chop the wood to make sure that the fires are heated. That's the economy. You're participatory in all of this on every level because we are enfleshed. We are embodied. It's not theoretical. This is how it sticks in us. This is not, not, it's not some stupid coexist bumper sticker. We keep it inside of us this way. And so... 
Yeah, there's little punishments throughout all of life that we deserve. In my Catholic faith, listen, Lent, it's all about it. Provide, prevent yourself of things. We need this as human beings. It's not some weird scam. All of us need it. And what the church, broadly speaking, is preventing itself is a, a notion of reaching out to God that, yes, God, you hate sin. You hate it. You will wipe it out. And you wiped it out with the love of your son. But we just think, yes, we're supposed to be long-suffering as long as is required. Yes, we are. But right along with that is, I prefer not to be. I prefer your glory to win the day. And in so, and toward that end, Lord, punish the wicked. We know we deserve it. Why do we not pray that outwardly? I think it's because our church has honestly failed us over and over and over again that Jesus is just the nice guy. Jesus hates sin. He hates it. He doesn't mind you coming to him to say, punish the wicked. He wants to hear that from you because it means you know what the game is all about all along. If you need his salvation that bad individually, the world needs it from sin that bad. It is groaning from sin. So saith the scriptures. Believe it by demanding that sin be punished. That's well said, Todd, and I, I think you're fleshing out, you know, part of part of what I was saying as well. I, I think punishment I, I think I, I think punishment for praying for punishment for, for vengeance, for your own for your own motivation of, of vengeance. I don't think that gets anywhere. No, it does not. Why I pray for humility, what I was trying to get at is humility for that to be accomplished in the wicked, individually, in a wicked culture, collectively. For humility to abound, punishment has to take place. That's what I was trying to say. That's what I was trying to say. Punishment has to take place. When you are humbled... When you are humbled, it's not always going to be pretty. I pray for humility for our, our country, for our leaders, for our neighbors. That involves punishing and punishment of sin. Thank you guys for uh, manning the uh, the helm here. And uh, I actually got back several minutes ago. I just didn't want to. I mean, you were on a roll there. And I, I mean, that'll, that, yeah, that, that'll preach. I didn't want to interrupt that. Okay. So I mean, that was uh, very well done. And uh, I knew you guys would crush this when I sent this to you guys as the topic to handle. Well, I stepped out and uh, called into Dan Bongino's show to have his back. Um, I'll have a couple of quick thoughts here right after I tell you about our friends over at Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, you've probably, or just a listener to the show, you've heard me talking about Rough Greens for quite a while on the program now. It's the supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food. And with that one simple act, a lot of the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre-probiotics, antioxidants, you know, all the good stuff, uh, the, the healthy stuff uh, that was taken out of your dog's food. Same reason they take it out of the people food at the factory for long shelf life, mass distribution. A lot of that goes right back into your pet's food, but you might be wondering, well, what if my pet doesn't like it? Well, one way to find out, or what if it doesn't work? One way to find out. Get the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. We'll have you pay for the shipping because if you put a few bucks in, then we think you'll actually be more inclined to give it a shot as if we just gave you everything, okay? 
All right, but we will give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free when you go to roughgreens.com. They spell it R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, roughgreens.com, or just give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG, 833-ROUGH-DOG. I think I've mentioned this before. Um, As I get closer to 50, and I get closer now to the age of some of the conservative and Christian leaders that in the past I've either confronted or criticized because they kind of forgot where they came from. I mean, that's a lot about what I was just talking to Dan Bongino about. I mean, I wanted to explain to his audience why I've been so vociferous in his defense of what he's doing. And, and it, it's it part and parcel. It's also why I was so vociferous in my criticism of Bill O'Reilly and what he did last week on our platform. Because you folks are the ones that buy our books. You give us the clicks. You you give us the five-star ratings. You give business to our advertisers. In other words, you're the boss here. You pay us. Without you, we're clanging cymbals. And even though I don't have a platform nearly the magnitude of a Bongino and have made nowhere near the money, that a Bill O'Reilly has in his career. I, I still live in a nice house in the suburbs. I've got a pretty good life. I'm not rich, but I'm certainly not poor. Where did that, where did that comfort come from? For me, it's comfort. For people like O'Reilly, it's opulent wealth. Where did it come from? You, people like you. I don't think it's too much to ask to stand with you after all the things you've done to stand with us. In fact, it kind of ought to be automatic in a relationship. It's a little bit like my wife congratulating me for not slapping her around last night. It should be an automatic. It should just be an automatic that I don't listen to my radio network executive, my brand manager, or my accountant, or my agent. But at a time like this, when there is a proverbial gun to the head of my audience to give over their way of life, their bodily autonomy. It should be an automatic instinct to dive in and say, no, I'm with you. Unfortunately, that has not been a common practice in our industry. That's why there's so much controversy and, and hullabaloo over what Dan is doing. And that's, that's why as I, as I inch closer to 50... On a regular basis, I pray, God, help me to finish my race. To finish my race. Because a lot of times, it's the guys who are their best in their 30s and 40s who are the worst in their 50s and 60s because they start realizing, wow, uh, look at the collateral damage it caused for me to get to where I'm at, and now let me just hold on to it. No, I, I want to I wanna be able to say, I'm, I, I'm going all in at 58 like I did at 28 and 38, if I'm still around, and if this country is still around. And if I can't say that at 58, it's time for me to get out. It doesn't mean I'm a terrible person. It just means I need a little self-awareness and realize I've lost the fire in the belly. My time is over. I serve now the kingdom in another capacity, but it's not on the front lines. With a platform, I don't have the fire in the belly anymore. I don't understand the signs of the times. I'm not a son of Issachar anymore. So I will be called to serve in another way. 
Too many men in this era have not prepared the next generation of ministers, leaders, husbands, and fathers. Held on instead to their relevancy far, far too long. Out of arrogance, this thing will fall apart without me. Out of greed, well, I mean, you know, I guess I could get a bigger house in Bermuda. You guys stood by Bill O'Reilly through scandals, firings. Now he wants to mark you? Didn't finish his race. Either gave up on it or ran another race. Dan is over there, man, with a lot to lose. He's a far bigger star now than Bill O'Reilly. He's about where Bill O'Reilly was 20 years ago. He's still in a dead sprint. So I'm going to wingman that guy. Because that's how I want to run my race. All the way to the finish line. So I pray that a lot. Father, help me to finish my race. And when the time comes to know when my race is finished. And it is time for me to step aside. Because it's another. It's a younger man's chance now to run this race instead. Excellent question, conversation, email. Thank you very much for it. We'll come back. The Weekly Prophet of Woe and Lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will join us here next. You know, winter is almost here, which means in much of the country, that whole excuse, oh, I just ran in from outside and I was running behind and it's so hot out, as the excuse for why you showed up sweaty for that speaking engagement, not that that's ever happened to me, uh, or that job interview or that first date, those excuses in much of that country, much of the country, aren't going to work. Instead, we're now just going to know, yep, you're a sweater. But thankfully, there is a solution from our friends over at Sweatblock. Sweatblock's wipes are stronger and more effective than even the most clinical of antiperspirants are out there. Just uh, wipe your pits down before you go to bed and go to bed. Get up the next morning, take a shower, do everything you normally do. You should be good to go without any uh, sweaty pits for a few days at least. They've also, by the way, have their own deodorant. It's a great product. I've used it. They've also got deodorant lotions that smell great but also help to keep fresh some of those more, shall we say, intimate areas that can get a little swampy, right? So if you want to give it a shot right now, 20% off if you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code at D-E-A-C-E, promo code Dace, for 20% off when you go to sweatblock.com. Again, 20% off with the promo code Dace when you go to sweatblock.com. Let's bring in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, the one and only Daniel Horowitz. And I don't even know what to ask you about. Now, I mean, I mean, we had Virginia. Now you've got the OSHA, the OSHA protocols came out today. Now, now the Durham investigation that looked like it was going to yield nothing for like two years comes out with an indictment that actually quantifies what a scam this entire collusion thing was this entire time. Rand Paul trying to take down Anthony Fauci. I mean, you tell me where you want to go, Daniel, because there's like four existential events happening right now. Steve, they all tie together. Um, you know, I, I was going to say one thing today, but I don't think I need to say it anymore because it's obvious to everyone. 
there's two playing fields. Well, there's one field. There's the football field where you're making the passes. You have the scoreboard. And then you have the cheerleaders. You have the food, the music, the ambience of the stadium. So when it comes to the ambience, Republicans are very good. They have the hottest cheerleaders. They're really good at, you know, the, the tomahawk, Trump and the tomahawk. Let's go, Brandon. Elections, elections. But on what actually matters to civilization and now up into and including our own bodies and the bodies of our children. They win and they win and they win and they win. Uh, the same day as Tuesday that we had these stunning election results, they, you know, Pfizer, which is our government, forced the vaccine now on children. And yes, it's essentially forcing it. Um, when you understand the system they created seamlessly with the pediatricians and everything, they're going to be pretty much pressured to get it. So Republicans win more elections than ever. If you think about it, since I started following politics in 1994, Republicans have had a tremendous amount of power. You know, Republicans have 55 percent of all 6,000 or so state legislative seats. They have 24 trifectas. They have 28 governors now, governors-elect. Uh, 19 with super majorities. I think Democrats only have about five or six states with super majorities. And this is their low watermark after losing the last election. By next year, they'll have more seats than ever. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It, because Democrats control everything even when they're not in the official seats of power because those official seats of power are not really where the power resides. So if our lesson coming out of Tuesday night is you know, this really portends a wave for uh, 2022 mm -hmm. and 2024. You've missed it. What this should portend is this, Steve. Here's the one and only meaningful takeaway from Tuesday night. If Republicans can run on COVID fascism in places like New Jersey where the truck driver beat the Senate president and they could run on transgenderism and critical race theory and lean into those issues and win in blue states in this environment that even those voters want relief, then by golly, in states like Tennessee and Wyoming and North Dakota and Idaho, we sure as heck could do everything up into and including nullification of all this stuff and the people would still want you to do more. Yet, to this day, with all those trifectas, again, even if you had 300 seats like Kevin McCarthy is talking about in the House, they'll say, well, Biden's president. We can't have a government shutdown, so we can't fight in the budget bill. Remember that? Uh, we just went through that a few years ago. So we'll be dead by then, but it won't work anyway. Right now, you have governors in states, unlike Virginia, where the Dems still have the state Senate. They have all the control. Tennessee. They passed a pretty decent bill, the only state to pass a decent bill banning vaccine mandates. The governor still has not signed that bill a week later. You have in Wyoming, where they passed a bill to ban vaccine mandates unless Biden mandates it. They had an, an amendment, unless Biden mandates it, then it will supersede state law. My buddy, Representative Chuck, Chuck Gray, asked for a recorded vote, and the former speaker who was on Zoom said, that little effort. That's how emphatic he was in blocking any effort to fight Biden's mandate, where they have a 58 to 7 majority in the House and a 28 to 2 majority in the Senate. So that is the lesson that comes out from there. You look, uh, Youngkin won 85, 90 percent in southwest Virginia. You know what's a lot like southwest Virginia? 15, 20, 25 states. Mm -hmm. Where are they?
if he could do that in Virginia, what about the states they already control now? It's not about Congress or the presidency one to three years from now. It's about the red state governors and legislators right this second. And to this second, they don't have a response to vaccinating children or to the OSHA mandate. Let me take it more granular than that, if you don't mind. See, I, I really think this is a test of our own resolve. And I've been very vocal, and I know you've backed, you've, been, you've backed me up. I've been very vocal defending Dan Bongino taking on his radio syndicator this week over immoral, wicked, and evil vaccine mandates. And, and one of the reasons why is it, it be, there's the principle, but then there's the paternal, the relationship. These are our people. These are the people that listen to our shows, that give us the clicks, that buy our books, that make us earn a living, that let us earn a living. And for some people in this business, a pretty opulent one doing this. To abandon them at the time that they need us the most is just, that's also wicked, immoral, unethical, right? But let me, I think the challenge here, though, works both ways. You know, a lot of people ask me suddenly now that Youngkin won, what do I know about him? What do I, I don't, actually don't know that much. But to me, it's similar to Trump. I think he's in, these are they're relevant but irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. And Yunkin himself said on Tucker Carlson last night that you know he, this wasn't a campaign, it was a movement. What happened is his campaign smartly, Jeff Rowe and a bunch of people you and I know, smartly saw a rising tide from the people. And so instead of being like a lot of the dumbass Republicans who hate us, like Mitt Romney on Chick-fil-A Day saying, that's not a part of my campaign, Yunkin in that campaign grabbed the surfboard brother and hopped on the wave and rode, okay? See, I don't think it matters if Glenn Youngkin's a squish or a sellout or he's with us. This is all about our resolve. Because if we maintain the same level of commitment that took that guy from a nobody six months ago to now governor of the state that surrounds the nation's capital, then the names of who these politicians are is irrelevant. We have to get out of this hero mode. I just had a re- even a really good yes. friend of mine that texted me about this. Thing. I, I twig texted him again. It's not about Yunkin. It's about us. Don't we want it to be about us and not about the politicians so that we're not always just one election away from freaking losing everything all the time? This is the moment that we now need to show on a grassroots commitment, conviction, confrontational level, at least some of the commitment and zealotry that the other side has used against us for the last several decades. Your thoughts. Steve, that's exactly the point I'm making in the sense that most of my adult life, we've been winning elections, but losing the policies because all our people, all their resolve is just the election. Even my own family, they'll they'll never get engaged. But every election night I was traveling and my phone was blown up. Hey, what do you think about New Jersey? Like they're all into it. And then the next day it's over. And that's the thing. So it doesn't matter whether you're a Ted Cruz or a Ron DeSantis or a Kevin McCarthy, or a Susan Collins, it doesn't matter if there's no follow-up with a sustained effort. People don't realize what's more important than Election Day is every legislative session, every day of it. I mean, especially state legislators, they're not usually used to getting flooded. You flood them, and you'd make demands, and we're on top of them, we track your voting record. I mean, that's going to make a world of the difference. But if you don't ask, guess who's always on the playing field? Walmart. Tyson's, mm-hmm. um, Chamber of Commerce, all the associations. It's funny, all these associations that were like, you can't tell a business not to violate the Nuremberg Code. That's mandate. That's that's regulating businesses. Today, they're awfully silent when you're mandating that they must do that. It's funny. You know, we're going to fine you if you don't. OSHA, 
I don't hear anything from any chamber or business association today, but those are the ones that control it. So this is the thing. Everyone asks you, ask, is asking you, who is Youngkin? The answer is whatever we want him to be. That's exactly if right. If we don't work with him, if we have that same tide that he could surf post-election as during the campaign, it will be good. If we don't have it, he'll drift. The truck driver that everyone's so proud of in, uh, in New Jersey. Let me tell you something, Steve. I've seen this with the Tea Party. A lot of people think, oh, he's a fraud. No, I guess he was a fraud. Oh, I thought he wasn't. He... Everyone's the same way. Legitimately, a lot of times outsiders do win. They don't have a prior political career. But if you don't have an affirmative movement and agenda, within mm -hmm. three seconds, they'll be in with leadership. It's, it's Proverbs, brother. Bad company corrupts good character. That's what you're talking about. Yep. And, and, and in every, every body where Republicans control, you have bad company. You know, every health committee chair is bought out by the hospitals, is bought out by Big Pharma. Um, this is going to be a fight. And it's like our people seem to be incapable of this. And this is to, to me, the good news is if people in Loudoun County, Virginia, agree with us, well, we don't even need to win that to have a refuge of of liberty in this country. I, I just need, you know, North Dakota, Idaho and Wyoming to be in our our camp. We, we had. You know, yesterday there's a lawsuit filed. Six teachers in Oklahoma City were fired for not freaking wearing a mask. Hmm. How does that happen 19 months into this in a state like Oklahoma with four to one majorities in both houses? How does that happen? I mean, and let me say one other thing. Some of the very issues through which Youngkin campaigned and won on are actually opposed by Republicans in much redder states. He ran hard against the parole boards, the jailbreak, the releases. You got Bill Lee in Tennessee out there saying, and I'm paraphrasing, we can't open the jail doors quickly enough. Uh, you got Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma, who had the greatest jailbreak in the history of America. Um, and, and a couple of them have gone on to murder since they were released. Um, you got Asa Hutchinson with the tranny issue in, in Arkansas saying it's free market to uh, allow uh, chemical castration for minors. You know, so again, you could tap into the people even in blue states, but you can't count on Republican politicians even in 70-30 Trump states. Great stuff, my friend. As always, take care. See you again. You bet. You will. Uh, Daniel, brought to you by realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, trying to sell your home in any, in any environment can be challenging, but especially... In these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. That's why you want to make sure you go in with an agent that you can, well, trust. Where would you find them? Well, the website kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com is where you can go to find, get this, a real estate agent that you can trust. Just about anywhere you want to move to or from, just about anywhere, we can probably find you a real estate agent you can trust who will come in, take charge of your situation while remembering, though, that ultimately you are the one in charge. And then also comes complete with a fully vetted track record of success as well. Again, head to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Any final thoughts oh, yeah. or conversations about what Daniel and I just discussed? Uh, just briefly, because I know Todd wants to chime in here. Here's the harsh reality. This might, I might supersede Daniel and, and woe and la lamentation here. The harsh reality is there, that there's actually something good going on in these times, whether it's tranny madness or CRT or COVID fascism. Finally, 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 the wheat 
is in painful view being separated from the chaff with a lot of these red states. Because for so many years, my entire adult life, and really before that as well, these Republican leaders in these red states could get away with just giving you a few sweet nothings in your ear, talking big and then doing nothing. But now, now it's coming after your kids. Now it's coming after you. Now it's coming after your ability to earn a living. And all of a sudden, you need, you, you, you require, you require these people you put in elected office, these people you empowered to actually use that power. And when they don't, well... They're the chaff. So um, that's 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 here's the bad news, though. It's way too late for separating wheat and chaff here. Way too late, which is why it's as always, as always and more than it ever has been before. uh, The answer is us. See, Asa Hutchinson is a perfect example of what I said about uh, imprecatory prayer, the need for bring it into our lives to constantly remind ourselves so we can take the light out into the world. Evil deserves to be punished. It deserves to be punished. It deserves to be punished. Because if we do not do that with our own spiritual economy, we turn out like Asa Hutchinson, who sees evil before him. and oh, Free market. Let everybody decide. No. 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 This is wicked. And it is not part of any conservative paradigm worthy of the name to not recognize here and no further. And things as fundamental and what's a man and a woman and where that takes us in terms of uh, bathrooms, uh, sports, and the definition of reality itself. Stop lying to ourselves. You guys are waking up. Tuesday was a demonstration of that. And as Daniel said, man, if I can get Loudoun County, Virginia to agree with me on this stuff, then for goodness sakes, much of the, almost, almost all of the country except, well... College towns and San Francisco pretty much agree, right? Yep. He's right about that. Okay. So that's be encouraged by that. We actually have numbers. We're not 56 dudes in Constitutional Hall. Okay. Or Independence Hall, I should say. We're, we're not 110 folks in an upper room, man. Wondering what our next move is here. Be encur- we have the numbers. We just need to act on them now. And it needs to be more of an act than voting. Okay? Man, we're not being asked to uh, we're not being asked to go to Gettysburg or Antietam or Bull Run or Pyongyang or Denang or Normandy or Tokyo. We're being asked, this is our generation's charge. Go down the street to your kid's school. Go down the street to your city council meeting. Go downtown to your state legislature. We can do this. We have the numbers. But we have to do it. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.